Yeah, my name's Rashad, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, again, happy Mother's Day, and we're going to talk about Lazarus being plotted on to get to die, all right, <laughs> it's going to be really good, it's going to be really good. Um, <laughs> let me pray for this in our time. Father, we thank you for your word, um, thank you that it's life, and your words are um, lead us to eternal life, so I pray that you would speak to us today pray that you would meet every single one of us right where we are at, whether we are full of faith or full of doubt or in a season of darkness. Um, I pray that you'd meet us, shine your light, and um, awaken our hearts to the hope of the resurrected one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So it's great to be with you. Um, and we're, we've been in this called an Eastertide series, and we've called it Encounters with Jesus, where we've been looking at different encounters that um, the disciples and that world had when they encountered Jesus post-resurrection. And so this week's a little bit of a twist. It's a resurrection story, but it's someone else being resurrected. It's Lazarus. And so, um, uh, yeah, I think this story will um, still point to the amazing work that God does and is doing in the world. And so um, in John, we're in John 12, but in John 11, we have the story of Jesus and, um, and Lazarus. And Jesus raises him from the dead, which is met with amazing amount of rejoicing and joy, but also his resurrection is also to the chagrin of others. And so just a real quick recap. G Lazarus is dead. Mary, his sister, and Martha, they come to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, the one you love, he's dead. Please come. Please, Jesus, do something. And Jesus, to their surprise, says, like, I'll get there when I get there. Like, I'll come. And he didn't come right away. It says in John eleven four, 4, when Jesus heard this, he, and this is what he says to them, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I want you to just hear a couple things in that statement because it frames our time. This sickness will not end in death. He doesn't say that he's not going to die. He says it won't end in death. And then he says it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I want you to, I just, I want you to just think about that, how God gets glorified. It won't end in this, and God will be glorified through it. Okay. I know that somebody's with me, and eventually I'm going to get an amen, but not right now. It's okay. We're waking up. Um, and so Jesus goes on. Um, he says, yes, he's dead. And he, Jesus says, I'm glad that I wasn't there. He said, I'm glad I wasn't there when it happened because when, when I show up, this is going to be an opportunity for you to believe on who I say that I am. And who, and who does Jesus say that he is? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Up until this point, they knew him as the water of life, the bread of life, the shepherd of the sheep, but they didn't know him as the resurrection and the life. And he says this phrase, do you believe this? I think this is the most important, poignant verse in the New Testament. Do you believe? I'm sure some of you guys are going to be at game seven today saying, we believe, we believe the Celtics can win, they can be Philly, we believe, right? Belief is going to 
go up to the meter today, right? Maybe, maybe not for some. Maybe some go, I don't believe anymore. Um, <laughs> our window is closed. Um, but it's an important phrase, do you believe? I, I want you to think right now what God is capable of. I want you to think right now, what do you think God is capable of? Then I want you to think, what do you believe God is willing to do for you? Do, do they measure up? See, because that incompatibility of what you think God can do and what you think God's willing to do for you can cause a crisis. See, the, the Sadducees, these were part of the religious leaders at the time, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And word is spreading quickly throughout the region that Jesus just raised a body from the dead. Like this is, I know that if you've been around church long enough, you've heard this over and over again. You go, of course. But I want you to understand, this is mind-blowing. Jesus raised a body from the dead. I want you to take this in. If this happened right now, it would be on every news outlet Every TikTok channel, I don't know, every, every story, it'd be like, man, that's the guy who raised from the dead. Like, man, did you hear what he said? Um, we'd all be glued to it. Because there's something inside of us that wants to believe it's true. There's something inside of us that wants to believe that there's something beyond death. And, and then there's some of us that would tune in to discredit it because sometimes it's better not to hope for something better. For many of us, it's easier if we don't believe God can bring something back from the dead. Because disappointment of that not being true would be too great to handle. And that happens sometimes with the most important things of our lives. We become agnostic. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't hold on to hope, and I hope that I get surprised that something better happens. Anybody with me? I'm going to ask you a question. What seems humanly impossible in your life right now that you long for God to change? A relationship, a family member, a job, your next steps, your health condition. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, anything worth living for will be tested. Anything worth living for will be tested even to its death. Think about it. There has almost always been an assassination attempt of anyone who has done anything worthwhile in the world. Do your research. Anyone in the world has done anything worthwhile, whether infamous or famously, there's been a, either, they've either been assassinated or they've had an assassination attempt or they've had threats on their life. So now we, we get into the passage. Now are you with me? Kennedy, Malcolm X, Reagan, Gandhi, MLK, you name it, the list goes on and on. They've been faced with threats in their life because of what they believe, what they stand for, and the things that they're doing in their life has been a threat to someone else, and so now they're threatening their lives. So, I mean, whether you're a president, a civil rights leader, an athlete, or an artist, your greatness or success is often viewed as a threat to another person's success or shine. All right. Now, think personally about the person who threatens your importance. When you think about the person who threatens your importance, you will make it your responsibility, my kids do this, to make a, find a crack in their personality, character, or work ethic. Come on, somebody. Don't act all holy in here. 
They're not that good of a worker. You don't see them. They take longer breaks. They didn't even clock out. <laughs> Mom, he didn't do his homework. Come on, somebody. We know. Siblings or friends, when we get outshined by our siblings or our close friends, we're the first person, we're the first one to point out their flaws or downplay their accomplishments. And if pushed, we will go beyond words and put in an action plan to take them out. Everything Jesus was doing in his world was a threat to the rulers and the religious leaders of the day. Because the attention was being taken off them, he was usurping their authority, and they were no longer center stage. After raising Lazarus, instead of being in awe and think, who is this? And worshiping Jesus, they resented him. John eleven fifty three 53 says this, so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. He raised somebody from the dead. Someone from their community, someone that looks like them, he raised them from the dead, and then from that point on, they said, we're going to kill him. Raising Lazarus from the dead was the last straw. The disdain for Jesus moves to hate. The hate wants to manifest itself in murder. I know it's Mother's Day. I know for many it's a feel-good day. But life is complicated. Life is full of trials. If you've been a mom, you know life is full of trials. Let me ask you this. Have you ever disliked someone so much that you dislike the people that hang out with them? I got one person that agrees with me. <laughs> You're like, can we say that we dislike someone in church? In your previous life, in your pre-Jesus life. Okay. Well, Lazarus is that person. He doesn't have a bumper sticker or a Jesus wristband, but he's been raised from death to life by the power of Jesus Christ, and now he has become a target. Verse 11 in our passage says, The chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. This passage blows my mind. Is it anybody else? Like, you read the story, and all you remember was that he raised from the dead. And this little text here says they plan to kill him as well. I've read the New Testament so many times and have never noticed it. I've been wanting to preach this message for so long because I'm like, man, this is such a fascinating passage because we've been um, just reading and just think, oh, this ended happily ever after. Like he got raised from the dead and everything was good. It was great. They, wanted, they, they, they plotted, like they made plans to kill him. And I read this and I go, that's so messed up. I read it, I go, that's so messed up. I mean, what did Lazarus do? What did he do? He was dead. He was dead. And who doesn't want to be raised from the dead? Who wouldn't go to Jesus and say, can you raise this person from the dead? Who wouldn't want that? Shouldn't this be a celebration? Shouldn't Jesus and Lazarus be celebrated? Why would God let this miracle be met with such resistance? If you get anything, get this. The resurrected life lives in contested space. The resurrected life lives in contested space. I bring it close to home. Church, we've 
We've been through a lot. And I think a lot of us, when we see trials or perceive problems, we think, no way God could be in this. How often do you go through something and you're faced with something that seems awful and you go, there's no way that God is present in this. There's no way that God is active in this because God is happily ever after. God only takes me to the mountaintops. And it's hard to see trials or perceive challenges as God's way, as God's activity. And so oftentimes when things look contrary to how we would script them out, we look for an easier way. We look for a path of less resistance. Come on, somebody. When I go to the stair stepper, I want the least resistance. <laughs> okay, somebody tell the truth. Um, stair stepper's hard. Anyway, um, it just... Uh, this passage is close to heart because I've just seen over and over and over again that following Jesus is hard. And an important lesson that I've learned by following Jesus is that our story in Jesus is a threat to the narrative of the darkness of the world. In other words, when we live in the reality of what Jesus has done for us, we will experience pushback. When we, did, when we step out and act in grace and go two miles with our enemy, we, do, we live in the way of Jesus. The world's not saying, oh, that's awesome, man, congratulations. No. Like, like we experience trials. You, we wake up in the morning, maybe we pray, maybe we read something, we go, I'm going to do this today. And then we walk out the door, here it comes, someone challenging and testing us. Maybe it's the person that cut us off. Right, it's, there's something to challenge you living out the way of Jesus. Agreement? Okay. Jesus is a threat to the ways of the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. This is why the post-resurrection is so powerful because it says that death has been defeated, that death is not the end. In Christ, death is actually the beginning. This will not end in death. Maybe the death is the beginning of something new that God wants to do. I think somebody might be catching this, but you could catch it on the podcast. Okay. Um, we love, right? Most of us love underdog stories. We believe in underdog stories, except sometimes when it comes to our own lives. And we go through something and we don't think that God can turn our mess into something great. We don't think God can turn our breakup into something powerful. But this is how God reveals himself to the world, through us. God reveals himself to the world through our lives. With the odds often stacked against us, with our lives often on the brink of death, that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And so if the world had any doubts or suspicion about Jesus, he says, I'll raise you, Lazarus, four days in the tomb, I'll raise his life. Up until this point, Jesus had done some amazing things. He welcomed in the stranger, the widow. He's healing. He's feeding. He's making wine, really good wine. And um, that's my favorite part. Um, and, and he's doing all these things, and it's pointing to the culmination of him raising 
Lazarus' body. It's culminating in Jesus saying, I have power over death. The thought that has plagued humans for all of history, what happens after we die? One commentator says this, the raising of Lazarus had become the pinnacle of Jesus' miraculous work. So, do you believe this? Because Jesus says, if you believe this, you will see the glory of God. At this point, the, the, the story and the fame of Jesus was spreading at an unprecedented rate because he raised someone from the dead. So everyone's like, did you, did you hear? Did you hear? Lazarus is alive. Jesus raised him from the dead. Um, he, he's alive. He's doing stuff. I, I, I can't believe it. I can't, like, it's unbelievable, but I, but I believe it, but I don't believe it. Somebody's at a funeral. Someone's at a funeral, and the body comes out of the tomb. This is not a metaphorical story. There's a, I've been to a few funerals, and I don't expect a body to come out of the casket. And I don't want to be like, I'm not trying to be like morbid or grotesque, but this is like a body came out of the tomb. They went to see a funeral, and now they're celebrating a resurrection, and their minds are blown. I want you to understand, Lazarus died. His family buried his body. They grieved. They had a wake they made a tombstone. They planned for life after him. In a blink of an eye, it was all change. If I was the author of John, I would have ended the story right here. I know for us who have been, we've been stuck here through the pandemic and we've gone through a lot of changes and we're just like, okay, now I need everything to be happily ever after. Right, who thinks that? Because we keep saying, like, I just want things to get normal. I want things to get right. And we go through something like, okay, that's over. Hopefully the rest of my life nothing happens again. I think this is why this story is important because the resurrected life is going to be hotly contested. It seems unfair to have to, this is Lazarus. It seems unfair for Lazarus to have to experience death, to only have the people who are supposed to care about you wish you were dead all over again. We often expect that when something goes great or that we're a part of something that makes a difference in the world, that we might experience some conflict, but we don't ex expect to experience death or murder. Listen, Lazarus wasn't preaching against the Pharisees or the Sadducees. And matter of fact, there's not one recorded word from this man. He's not leading a revolt, but he has a bounty on his head. Why? Lazarus was a threat. Why was he a threat? He was a threat because he was alive. Man, I, I, want, you, I want you to get this. Because up until this point, death is the end. Up until this point, there's... No zealot, no political leader, no one has been able to save a life. And at this point now, there's an embodiment of the life of God in a human being that has a name that's walking around the earth. And he's a threat because he's saying death is not the end. What made him alive pointed to a greater, a greater reality. Church, your story matters. What God has done in you, if you've said yes to Jesus, your story matters. 
If God has done something in you and he's moved you from death to life, from shame to acceptance, if he's moved things in your life and changed you and you live in that, that is a threat to the world. That is a picture and a description of the resurrection in our world. So your story matters. And because your story matters, the evil one wants to silence you and tell you that your story doesn't matter. That God didn't do that for you. That that's not going to make a difference in anyone's life or in the world. Who are you? And the resurrection says your story matters. Lazarus doesn't have one word recorded in scripture. And there's a plot against his life. Because his life matters because his life is an embodiment of the resurrection. I'm preaching better than you. Amen. In. All right. I want you to think about all that God has done for you. I want you to think about all that God has done for you. And then I want you to think about what if the people around you got a grasp of what Jesus could do for them. This is why our lives, if we live in light of the resurrection, are hotly contested because it has the power to change the world. Thea Carson says this, Thus Lazarus became a focus for the plots of the chief priests. His very life provided a ground for faith in Jesus. So he too had to be destroyed. Lazarus is proof that Jesus can raise a life from the dead. It seems unfair, but there is a price tag for being raised from the dead. C.S. Lewis talks about the difference between Stephen, the martyr who got stoned to death, and Lazarus. And C.S. Lewis says, Lazarus got the raw deal. Lazarus got the raw deal because he was brought back from the dead. What he's saying is to have to experience death and to come back into this world and have to experience the trials of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the world is tough. What did Lazarus do? He was under attack because of what God did for him. It's easy to think or believe that after God has done something for you, especially something spectacular, that you are clear or immune to trials. You're like, God, I've already gone through that. God, I've already done that. God, you've already brought me from that. It should be over. And actually, it's the opposite. The more that God has done and is doing in your life, the more susceptible you are to trials. I know that's hard to amen right there. What I want to say is, There's a motif in scripture. There's a repeating phrase. There's a repeating repeating theme that happens all through scripture. Death, resurrection. I I go through something. I experience a death. And God resurrects me in a new way. I just want to say that challenges come with the territory. To follow Jesus comes with challenge because your story matters. What has Jesus done for you? That's our message to the world. And because of that message, they wanted to kill Lazarus because they wanted to get rid of the evidence of what Jesus is capable of. Almost done. One commentator says this. Then they, they said this about this, this, this passage right here. Then they made for him a banquet there. Mary and Martha was serving while Lazarus was one among those lying at the table. He says this. Lazarus attends his own funeral banquet. 
This scene, I want you to get this. This, this is wild. They're having a meal. It's called a, um, a, a comfort meal in Jewish tradition. They're having a comfort meal for their brother that just passed away, and he's having the meal with them. Oh, my gosh. He's having a meal at his own funeral. What if the thing you're going through is God preparing a table for you to sit at? You, you thought it was over, and now you're eating at your own funeral banquet because this is the kingdom that God takes what looks dead and humanly impossible, and he resurrects it as a witness to the world. And he, see, he says, see, I'm making all things new. Do you believe me now? Your story matters. Any threats or obstacles that you're experiencing are designed to keep you quiet or make you resign. They wanted to put Lazarus back in the tomb. Jesus says this. They will put you out in the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering service to God. They thought... Killing Lazarus would stop the work and witness of Jesus in the world. Your life in Jesus represents hope and life for those who don't think they have a shot with God. Your life represents a chance for those who are down and out. I'll end here. In the, in the middle of this chapter 12, verse 17 says this, Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. Listen to this. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. You are living proof of the resurrection. And your restoration will bring people to Jesus. Lazarus was restored. And people were following Jesus because of that. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Church, your story matters. Amen? Let me pray for us.